and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. My name is Courtney. And we talk about the do-do's and don't-do's of personalized learning. Did it first. That was very impressive. It is late April, so school's almost out. I mean, yeah, we're done. (laughs) So... You know, now that we're pretty much done, we're, I'm just going to cruise to the rest of the year, right? I'm, I'm makes sense. I mean, I'm here in up. Maine, I'm giving up. It, we're done here in Maine. Um, this is April vacation week, spring break week. I know in New York, spring break was last week, so they're back. They're already in the home stretch. We're about to be in the home stretch. What is it in California? What happens uh, in California? It was, it's a variety, but most of their spring breaks were either late March or like the first week of April. So we're a couple of weeks past that. Okay. So you're into your, and really the only thing coming up is Memorial day week, that three day weekend, maybe a four day weekend around Memorial day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then that's it. I mean, depending on where you are in the country, you might be end over in a month, less than a month. Exactly. Exactly. We're almost done. So now that we're almost done, most kids have, uh, you know, basically done what they're going to do. It's, it's time to yeah. give up. It is. Well, they've learned everything. Yeah. Um, we've, oh, no, no, we've covered everything. So the, I'm sorry. We've covered everything. They've taken the state test. Yep. I mean, AP exams, they're going to wrap up soon anyway, if they haven't already. Uh, Have they already taken APs? No, that's the first two weeks of May. So, well, so <laughs> we can know. And then after that, so really, there's nothing important worth teaching at this point in the school year. <laughs> all right and uh we'll, we'll talk to you next week and so uh, we'll see you all next school year. <laughs> next year that's right we're done too no uh, yeah we're kind of we're kind of uh messing with you all obviously uh but i did uh i did prompt courtney with like i'm going to say some things that uh she does not know i'm going to say so my very <laughs> first year of teaching uh one of my assistant principals told me uh, and this was Maine, of course. So Maine schools, yeah. just to give you some context, kind of go till second, usually third week of June. Yeah, we go late into June. Nowadays, so, you know, I think my latest one was like June 26 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he told me the first year, and I'm a, remember, I'm a brand new first year teacher. He says, well, you know, by the time we wrap up, Memorial Day is pretty much it anyway. Then we just don't really do anything for the rest of the year. Yeah. Like, That's like 20 school days. Yeah. But my assistant principal is telling me, I'm like, okay, it must be true then. And, uh, and that is exactly what happened with most of the people. Just nothing. Kids came to school. They just kind of hung out all day. Teachers just kind of hung out all day and we didn't do anything. And I'm like, oh, is this really the way school is? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and the answer to that was a hard yes. Hard <laughs> yes. In a lot of cases, lot it of really, work. really is. And I get it. I get it. It's really easy to look at the school calendar and then start moving backwards. So that last week of school, you're going to have, there's some kind of field trip. There's some kind of, maybe there's graduation of some kind, depending on what grade level you're in. Maybe there's finals, maybe there's field day, maybe there's like, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that happens. So it can feel like, or maybe your computers get collected and then, oh, please, oh. once those are collected, you cannot do school. That's true. How could you? Nobody, <laughs> neither of us growing up uh, could do any school without computers, right? Could not do school oh, without computers. No. Oh, my God. No. Uh, so, 
so yeah so it's like i get it it's super easy to fall into that and be like how what can i really do um and you know you start to get concerned about keeping the kids engaged and yada yada and it's really easy to suddenly find yourself having convinced yourself it's not worth teaching anything or not worth introducing anything new or doing anything kind of rigorous at you know those last few weeks of school mm -hmm. so we obviously don't like anything that we're saying here so we're going to try to come up with some ways yeah. that the ways to kind of alleviate that maybe not solve it all because you know end of the year is you know tough for everybody who went through it is it's hard it's and this year i totally get it oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I get it exactly phone right. it in feels good <laughs> <laughs> but there are no subs so yeah it doesn't really you still have to show up you still have to show up. <laughs> um yeah no it, so there, there's some there's some definite ways that we can still uh, I think what you said was one of the things, keep kids engaged. Keep kids engaged. And, yeah. You know, when, when I was first teaching, we obviously didn't have anything like standards or anything. It was just like, you teach as far as you can in the book and you move on. Right. Yeah. So, so now that we have standards, part of that's alleviated because we can identify where kids are and yeah. exactly what they need. Yeah. Which is helpful on the downside is now you've got some kids that are done you know if you're, you're they're well with their assigned standards for the year okay so their motivation might be a little more limited and True. that's easy to convince myself as a teacher now so i don't really care about those five kids anymore they're done now i can really focus on these 10 kids that still need my help right, right. yeah we can just do like independent reading for this year or something okay here's my pitch i want to convince you all to be crazy to be crazy, to go huge, not even big, go huge for the end of the school year. Come up with some incredibly massive, complex project and just believe that it will happen and let go of any need for perfection or for it to actually happen. <laughs> That's a good my expectations that this will work uh, for, for the students are but, zero. Yeah, but don't communicate that to them. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, I, no expectations, but we're, this is just what we're going to do. And if it flops, we're going to do it. Horribly, then who cares? Yeah. We'll try that. Okay. So what I want to ask you about this one is, A, give me an example. Oh, yeah, I've got a few. Okay, good. Because I've I've tried this in the past a little bit, uh, and clearly I set it up terribly because it, mm. it didn't even go uh, with my expectations of zero. They weren't even met. That <laughs> oh, was, yeah. So I'm looking to learn here. If you've got a couple of examples, let's bring it on. Yeah. Well, I I think and maybe it's not about ex not having having no expectations i think it's about your expectations being more about the learning process rather than the product oh i think totally fair yeah yep. i think no, that's way, what I, that was yeah. my expectations and it was still below zero okay all right well it, i was all me i guarantee it i'll guarantee it you get it was you okay was so you. here's one example so this was in eighth grade and this is a team that had some success throughout the year with 
learner-centered, direct, learner-directed projects, right? They grew it over the year. It wasn't at the start, like, here's your standards you've got to learn. Pick which ones you're going to do and mash it into it. Like, it was controlled growth over the year. Um, did they loop? No, they didn't loop. Anyway, um, they had the kids do... So they had a field day, a traditional field day, and they decided instead the teachers were basically like, we're done with planning field day. So they put it on the kids and they said, all right, best day ever. Go plan the best day ever. And the kids did. And it was incredible. They had a budget. So like there was money that they could play with. There was budget. They broke themselves into different groups for different parts of planning and then for different sections of the best day ever like there was they decided they wanted certain things like blow up bouncy type things they wanted you know like some some rental type stuff right but then some make your own type stuff and so they once they decided kind of like what they wanted then they broke down into different teams and they made it happen and they pulled it off and then you know they invited other other grades from the school to come and play during the best day ever and like and they made they had enough money at the end to get t-shirts made like it was awesome (laughs) that's awesome yeah it wasn't no work for the t-shirts you know you have to do a fair amount of corralling and guiding but the teachers weren't the ones planning and if it didn't work it didn't work right they weren't there was no, it was like, well, if you can't afford the bounce house, can't afford the bounce house. Like, <laughs> that's it. You know, if, if so-and-so says they're going to design and build the donut, the donut toss or whatever it was. Oh, you know, it was, it was a game where they had to walk through, like donuts were hung from the goalposts, from the football goalposts, and they had to walk through and like bite them, you yep. know, as they were hanging. It was hysterical. But, you know, if they slacked off and didn't get the game together for start of the day, oh, well, (laughs) like it wasn't, um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. So that's an example of like, that's going huge. That's That's going huge. That's pretty impressive. And I don't, there's no downside to that. No. No, No. that's just, that's super fun. Yeah. That's super fun. Right. And okay. even if it had turned out that they just had a traditional, you know, uh, field day with like, you know, three legged races and like all that, that would have been awesome, too. Absolutely. You know, but these kids really took it and we're like, we are going to make it the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, I like it. And they had arts and crafts like, yeah, they really thought through like what would what is what does there have to be so that everybody really does have something an element of the best day, right? That's nice having all those kids involved to like yeah. come up with those ideas. Cause I know yeah. when it's all adult planned unintentionally, we always leave people out yeah. somehow, because we just don't think of like right. every, you can't think of everything possible, but kids will. Yeah. Kids are so much better at that. Yeah. So. You want to sit and make me, you know, finger, finger knit all day. Awesome. There's this finger knitting station. Like, yeah, they were amazing. Yeah. You don't even know what finger knitting is, nope. but All right. So that's one example. I like it. Another example. um, Well, this is, I mean, this, some people may not see this as an example, but capstone projects, you know, while they do take, depending on how it's set up, right. Mm -hmm. They could take most of the year 
but you could really spend the last month or so of school just focused on that. Mm -hmm. Right. Pulling all of your stuff together, putting it into a presentation, practicing your presentation. Uh, like, so the final stretch of capstone projects uh, okay. could be what happens at the end of the year. What are you thinking about that? You have a thoughtful face on. I, I like that because I've seen this done like three or four different ways. Yeah. Actually, I've seen somewhere you have, like you mentioned, it's a whole year long thing. Yeah. And then the presentation is like 45 minutes to an hour those get really intense. Yeah. Right. The super long ones. I've also seen them where it's done like most of the year, but like February or March or so they end up with like 10 or 15 minute presentations and it's all done in one or two days. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that also works really nicely because the, yes. the pressure is less. So there, there's an in-between there where if you start late, you can really get buy-in from kids because it's it's implied also when you're doing like the, that final stretch of capstone stuff that they're doing a lot of it on their own time yeah it, like during the school day when there's not a lot of other academic right. to do because i'm you know close i'm done in math i need a little more science i need a little more ela yeah. and now i have three hours to work on my capstone stuff yes. where yeah. i'm allowed to do maybe some different things so i can see the value in that and having the only thing that, that i would need to see is some type of uh, like a reward or ce or celebration something at the end for the kids so there's so they get something out of it so okay. i can easily see where this would turn into a uh, just busy work for the kids so like why what do i what's in it for me right i assumed that like the actual presenting of the capstone and finishing your capstone and would be part of that motivation. Well, yes. And maybe not for all kids. Sure. Okay. But, and I know of some places that do capstones uh, almost every year now as yeah. an end of the year thing. So it does, you don't have to be like an end of senior year or anything. It can be done all over the place. Yeah. Um, yes. And I think still there needs to be some type of something else just okay. for, just for motivation. Yeah. yeah. Just, I'm trying to think of what, what a kid would do. And if like, everybody's forced to do it and you have to do it and yes, you're allowed some freedom, but really what do I get out of it as a student? I can definitely see where the quality of what I would get as a result. And I know the result is not the, the end all be all. It's the process of going through all that stuff. There's something missing there that I don't quite know yet. Huh. Okay. And at the same time, I think it's a brilliant idea because yeah. I, I don't think that's non-overcomable <laughs> since we know all words are made up. Uh, uh, insurmountable. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you want to use actual grammar, then go ahead. I want to use actual words um, okay, or words that have been agreed to be in existence for a long time now. Anyway. Um, so another example, <laughs> I've got a bunch. Another example is uh, collaborative um, dr dramatizations of content. So the, uh, one example I have is uh, causes of the American Revolution. I, there's a lot of problems with this project and going back, I would change it. But the gist of it is you've got four, at least four, maybe more, you have multiple classes or multiple groups involved in having to work together to produce um, 
you know, a, a, a dramatized performance of like a, a certain timeline of, event, of events. And so I've seen it done with, you know, causes of the American Revolution, where then each group kind of gets one of the quote unquote causes and they have to dramatize it. And then the kids have to figure out like, you know, different groups are writing it differently. And then they have to look at it and be like, does it mesh? Or are we do we have like some avant-garde drama right after some classical drama? And then like, what are the segues? And then present it. Um, so you could do that with almost any content. Pretty much. Yeah. I like that. That's kind of neat. Yeah. And then they also all get jobs, right? Like, so you've got the people who are like, everyone has to have a hand in writing, but that doesn't have to look like everybody writing a script. Like there's different ways to do that, to do collaborative playwriting. But then you've got, you know, a team of directors, then you've got the actors, you've got people who make props, the set doesn't like everyone kind of gets, gets into it right in some way. Um, then I think there's also space for just kind of like, you know, um, I've seen someone do, oh, what did they call it? It wasn't like panel discussions. It was kind of like focus groups oh. where kids basically chose a passion that they're like, you know, a, a passion topic that they were really into and researched it and were told that they they got five minutes to present it to like a group of peers. And so then they were put in groups of five and they all presented to each other and then like asked each other questions about their topics. And that was it. There, there was nothing else. Like they don't then have to present to everybody. It was just like your group. Um, and you could set that up to be like by topic, right? You could have groups that are like, okay, the, this is a group of sports interests. Like this is a group of kids who are doing something related to music. Or you could make it totally random. Um, but that was fun, you know, the kids, so they're still doing research skills and presentation skills and, and all the things, um, but it gets to be about things that they're interested in. And then they practice more of that, like, um, conversational, like, like those are much more academic skills to me, like academic in the sense of like thinking, academia, right? Being able to listen to a presentation from someone and then ask thoughtful questions. Right. Yeah. Right. There's definitely uh, evidence you could gather towards, mm -hmm. you know, academic standards. And yep. even if this is at the end of the year, the way they're, the way you're setting that up where they're interacting with their peers on a much higher level than a, like a traditional classroom. Yeah. Uh, even look further down that progression and gather evidence on stuff they're not even supposed to be like gathering evidence on at that point. Yeah, you could. I, I love that a lot. Right? Or you could even environment. No, it's not. And you can even there's space there too for kids to go back, right? And maybe there were some targets that they muffed up, right? <laughs> like they could go back and maybe, you know, maybe they have a genuine interest in it, or maybe their interest is just redoing right those targets um or maybe as the teacher you can help them connect those targets to different passions mm -hmm. um so there's space for some revision work there too mm -hmm. i think yeah. that would help with the uh with some kids that are still uh, not behind but still need more evidence on particular standards yes. yeah yes without it seeing like hey these kids get to do the fun stuff because they're done 
you still need some work. So we're going to gather you into the classroom and right. you're going to do those things. Yeah. Because that is just numb also. Yeah. I don't do, I love don't these do ideas. I love that last idea, especially about the, 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 the focus group idea, or even the, like the panels yeah. where you could have those type of a, you know, like a, like a moderator and just keep asking the panel questions. So yes. it's totally just not quite off the cuff, but yes. thinking quickly and speaking yes. quickly and yeah. then taking audience questions and that sort of thing. Yeah. You could set that up in a million different ways, million different ways. Oh, and I love that. That's a really, I know. Idea. I think another really great one to do. And I think this is a great time of year to do it is to um, set up something, set up like some debate work using the intelligence squared protocols. Tell me so what, much. Huh? What, is, what is that? So intelligence squared is a, it's, it's a debate show on NPR. You can listen to it on, on uh, public radio comes yeah. out of California. Uh, I think it's yeah. California, California, something or something other club, but what they do, they get together teams. It's usually two or three people. And then they, they put up a proposition and it can be, it can be anything. Sometimes the propositions are kind of ridiculous. Sometimes they're very serious. So, um, so let's say the proposition is that um, I, I just used this recently with a teacher working on argument. Cats make great pets for people who don't have a lot of time to take care of animals. Okay. So that's something like that. That's the proposition. That's not actually a great one. Let's just go with Cats, cats make great pets. So then one team is pro proposition. One team is against the proposition and they have to set up. So they, each team gets opening arguments, then they get rebuttal and then they get closing arguments. The audience, it's audience participation. So at the beginning, the audience has to vote yay or nay, the proposition. And then the debate happens. And then afterwards, the audience votes again, yay or nay, on the proposition. And the team that moves the most votes wins. Okay, that's cool. It's awesome. So you could do this with really easy, easy, quote unquote, content, right? So if you're going to do this, so you maybe you every week for the last four weeks of school, you have another Intelligence Squared contest, right? Or sets of contests. Mm -hmm. And uh, you start with quote unquote, easy content or less controversial content, right? And then move up so that, you know, by the end, you're, you're debating something that has a little more meat to it or requires a little bit more research or content knowledge. Way fun. I love that idea. <laughs> That's like four different things you came up with today, Courtney. Yeah, you're That's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Uh, so yeah, this is this has been one of my favorite ones um, to talk about what what we do at the end of the year rather than just uh, you know give up. Here's so. another one. Here's another one. It's still going. This is a good one too. I love this one. <laughs> you can do it with historical fiction. You can do it with science fiction. Um, those are probably two of the best. I'm sure there's other ones, but um, so you read a book and then evaluate it against its accuracy, science or history. Okay. You know, so kind of like book clubs, whatever, and then, you know, have them researching alongside. It's probably more quote unquote fun with science fiction for the end of the year. Hmm. Uh, 
to, to then, you know, and then when they're done reading the book, they have to, you know, make a claim about, you know, how accurate the science in the book was. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to shy away from like movie versus book comparisons uh, because you just get stuck watching the movies. But I mean, that could work. But I think some of that, like, uh, how real is the science, right? How sciencey is the science? Um, it can be a lot of fun. Yeah, I was just thinking of like The Martian. That, uh huh. That, that movie and book. Like, you know, some people were crapping on the science part of it. Yep. And I, I remember some of the rebuttals were like, well, no, actually, most of it is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but there were some pieces that I don't remember offhand right now that were a little bit of a stretch. But of course, but it's science it, fiction. It is science fiction, <laughs> exactly. And at the same time, it would be nice to have like, okay, so what are the missing pieces or the stretch pieces? What are the stretches? Yeah. Is it really a stretch or is it just, we don't, it's not possible right now. Yeah. And those, those right? are, you could totally get that into a, another, another world of conversation. Yeah. You absolutely could. I love that. Kind of thinking through, is this, is this a small stretch? Is this something where we think, at some point there might actually be the technology to do this, or is this like, no, this is like way out. This is like, this is pure fiction, right? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like, when I when I was a little kid and I was watching like Star Trek and stuff, like yes. all that stuff was like way out of, I mean, there's no way any of this happens. And now suddenly I'm surrounded by computers and screens and my iPhone and all of this stuff would have been like magic to me when I was yeah. eight years old. So, uh, oh my God, or here's another twist on that. How well did they do? If you look back at, um, you know, older, you know, science fiction written from like, you know, the forties, fifties, sixties, um, that was set in 2020, you know, like how'd they do? <laughs> That's super funny. It's, I know we're going a little long here, but I just yeah. finished a book of short stories written from the twenties to the, to the early sixties. Oh, cool. All science fiction stuff. Yeah. And a lot of them were set in the future. A lot of it was like space travel-y type things. Sure, yeah. And a lot of them were like, not far off. Not far off. Not That's far so off. cool. Okay. And, you know, then the question becomes, did science fiction predict it? Ooh. Or did science fiction make it happen? Make it happen. Oh, that's an awesome. <gasps> there you go. That's your end of your unit. Does science fiction inspire science or does science inspire science fiction? What? With that, we're going to talk next week. And I want yeah. everybody's five page paper submitted to us at plearnmc.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, this has been a great one, Courtney. Thank you for all the amazing suggestions today. Anytime. I love you.